0: Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. I believe today God is going to do some real deep stuff in our lives. We've seen it in the first service and I believe God is going to speak to and help a lot of people today. So Father, we come into your presence. We come into your presence with thanksgiving. We're so thankful, Father. Father, we can get so caught up in what's not happening in our lives and all the things that we're missing. And, but Father, we're just grateful. We're grateful for Jesus. We're grateful that we're back in the building. We're grateful that we can be online. We're grateful to have a roof over our head. We're grateful, Father God, that you love us, despite our failures, our flaws, our insecurities, you keep loving us. Lord, I pray that people would experience a fresh wave of your love in this service. We pray, Father, that many people would find you as their personal savior. We pray for salvation in this service. Pray for healings in this service. We pray that addictions would be broken. Lord, I have faith for miracles today. In Jesus' name. If you believe it, say amen. Amen. You guys can take your seats. Thank you to the worship team. Would you give the worship team a hand as they sit down? Dare to be the real you. We are. Our series verse comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, we who have unveiled or unmasked faces all reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his glory likeness. Our goal in life is to become more like Jesus. People say, why do you keep repeating yourself so you remember it? Become more like Jesus. That is our life mission, to become more like Him. Week one, we looked at fear unmasked. Week two, rejection unmasked. Last week, we looked at shame unmasked. Remember, you got to name it. you got to shame it. you got to share it. you got to Shut it. Very good. Good students in here. You're not defined by your shame. We are defined by God's grace. Now, we're going to start in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, written by the apostle Paul, chapter 12. He says this He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved all these things. In other words, Paul is saying, I'm not perfect. Can anyone relate to Paul? I'm not perfect. Then he says these four words. He says, but I press on. First of all, he recognizes he's not perfect. He's got imperfections. But he says, I press on. God's will for our lives is we continue to press on. Press on with anything that has the potential to sabotage our future. Whether that is, whether it's a fear or rejection or shame. He says, then he goes on. He says, I press on. Why? To possess the perfection of which Christ has first possessed. Now, dear brothers or sisters in Soul Church, I added that bit. I haven't achieved it. Don't you love Paul's honesty? He said, I kind of want it, but I haven't got it right now. But I focus on this one thing. This one thing. And then he says two things. which is a bit weird. He says, forgetting the past. Forgetting the past. Anyone want to forget a few days of the past? Forget the last 12 months, he says, but I look forward to what lies ahead. Now we can't look forward, Paul is saying, if we continually looking backwards. We can't look forward to the glorious plans and purposes God has for us if we are stuck in the rejection, the fear, the shame of the past. But often the reason that we cannot move our lives forward is because we get consumed by our fourth mask today, which is guilt. Guilt is a pretty ugly word. Has anyone ever experienced the feeling of guilt? Right, you're the honest crew in the middle. I can feel that. I felt guilty last week. I'd just spoken somewhere in church and I was driving home, I'd had my dinner, and who knows that with McDonald's, you never wake up in the morning and plan a McDonald's. But it always plans you. So I'm walk, driving down the, 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 the ring road, the boundary, and literally this, this vortex just sucked my car in. Has anyone had that pull? The golden yellow arches. But you don't wake up in the morning and think, I'm going to get a McDonald's for dinner you just end up having a McDonald's for dinner. Is that right? And the first 10 minutes are amazing, aren't they? How good are the French fries? Do you know, I have driven back to the boundary McDonald's if there's not enough salt in my fries. They are wasted calories if they are not salted. Who would agree? You can't eat fries if they're not salted. But you know, the guilt afterwards is like, oh, why did I do that? moment on the lips, a lifetime on the hips. What about guilty about cheating? It's gone quiet, hasn't it? Don't worry. Relax. I cheated at Bible college. Not on Chantel. My dad was a real theologian. I'm just a wannabe. And he knew the word of he knew the word of god inside out and he was just you know you asked him anything about scripture he he loved israel he loved he you he, he could sit there for hours just listening to him because he had so much wisdom and context around the bible and i knew that and when you go to bible school it's really handy when your dad is good at this stuff and i remember we got our, we got our uh, dissertation and it was around ephesians I thought, there's someone out there. By the way, this is before you can like Google anything. It's back in the day. So I just sent it to Dad. And he was in his element. He was just loving it. And he sends me back five or six pages. By the way, this is the first time he's listening to this. So I'm sorry if you are listening to this. He sends me this back. And there's two buttons on the computer that you shouldn't really use. Cut and paste. By the way, if you think any less of me because of this, I'm sorry, but just being real. So I cut and paste it and sent it to whoever, the invigilator, whoever it was, and I felt pretty good about myself. I would sort of scanned over it. Anyway, I get, a, I get it back a couple of weeks later with just red cross, and it said this. It said, this couldn't possibly be your work. <laughs> Tanya Harris, (laughs) I am so sorry. (laughs) So sorry, Dad. Sorry, God. Sorry, Church. But anyway, you feel a sense of guilt. I need some water. It's all in the book. Don't worry, it's in writing. What about guilty about number of points on your driver's license? Give us a hand. Hands up if you're clean. No, don't do that, don't do that, I don't want to know. But you know what, it's amazing the things that we can live in guilt about. So what is guilt? Well, first of all, guilt is not from God. It never has been and it never will be. And it's very easy to confuse shame and guilt. Last week we dealt with shame. I call them the terrible twins in the book. But as you know, if you've ever had twins or been around twins, they look the same, but they are very different. Shame is the feeling that your whole worth, your whole life is wrong, but guilt is the feeling when we do something wrong. It can be an individual moment or a choice in our life, and we can live with that choice where shame is actually how we feel about life. But guilt is one of the most crippling diseases today. Psychiatrists and doctors say unresolved guilt is now the number one cause of mental health and suicide. A case study at the Western University in Cleveland discovered that the average person spends two hours a day feeling guilty. Who knows that is not God's plan for your day. So I want to just unpack this for the next few moments, but the message is titled Guilt Unmasked. You know, the enemy, the devil, he would love for you and I to drown in a sea of guilt. Why? Because guilt. Paralyzes action. It breeds self hatred. Whenever you feel guilty, the last thing you want to do is get out of bed. The last thing you want to do is head to the gym or read a book. Why? Because guilt always paralyzes action and it breeds self hatred. You end up hating yourself. This is why guilt is a mask that I wanted to deal with in the book because it's such a big one. We don't want to live with ourselves. The enemy says he's come to kill, to steal and destroy and he uses guilt as part of that process. And the more we stew on our past mistakes, the more we dislike ourselves. Who has ever heard of the expression on a guilt trip? On a guilt trip. Exactly what guilt is, it's a a trip. It's a trip that the, the enemy wants us to daily travel on. And everyone at some point will go on a journey on this trip. And like any journey you go on, the longer you stay on it, the more you pay. You get a bus to Kings Lynn, you might pay six or seven pounds. You get a bus to Scotland, it's gonna cost you a whole lot more than that. Why? Because the longer you stay on the trip, the higher the price. And this is exactly what happens. And I've met older folk, and they they live with guilt their whole lives, and they pay their life for it. And today, if you've been living in guilt, God is about to provide you an emergency exit. God wants you to get off your guilt trip today. We're going to remove the mask and live free. Yeah, come on. I don't know who said it, but everyone's quoted it. And it's this Every saint has a past, but every sinner has a future. And it doesn't matter what has happened in your past, what mistakes you've made, what guilt you're carrying, God wants to give you an emergency exit off the plane today and live free. King David in the Bible understood more than anyone this. He wrote a famous psalm, Psalm 51. It's recognised as the most relevant and formative passage on guilt and how to deal with it. Now, often when we just parachute into Scripture, we just read a verse and it makes us feel really happy, but we don't understand the context or the story in it. So I want to just bring some context to Psalm 51 to help you understand. It's like a modern-day Netflix story. It's good. You could box set this. you ready? Okay, it's like an 18. Okay? David and Goliath's like a 12. This is an 18. This is when it goes a little bad. David commits adultery. Plays away from home. With a woman called... Bathsheba. Now the problem is she is married to one of his military men, Uriah. And one, w- w- one day after their romantic encounter, she comes and says, David, I'm pregnant. Ouch. Now David's response, instead of heading to Ikea for some meatballs and a cot for the nursery, he panics. I'm just making it into... This context. And he does a cover-up. So you thought, oh, the Bible's boring. No, the Bible's not boring. The Bible's juicy. This is good stuff if you read it in context. And so David, instead of just owning it, he organizes a riot to be put on the front line of battle so that he's killed. And guess what happens? He's killed. And then this guy called Nathan, who's a bit of a prophet, He gaslights David and tells on him. Who knows you think you've got a friend they tell on you? He tells the world what he's done. And can you imagine in that moment how David felt? Infidelity, indirect murder, and now a cover-up. And David spirals as we would, or any of us, into this pit of despair and a dungeon of of guilt. And in that dungeon of guilt, he writes this famous Psalm. It's a heart cry to God, Psalm 51, be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. Wow. Why did, why did David write that? Because David understood that guilt was stealing his peace. Guilt was causing him to be physically sick. Gu- guilt was destroying relationships. And God wants you and I to live free of the mask of guilt today. And David took five steps from Psalm 51 to help us remove our mask. And I want you just to share these steps of you. If you've taken notes, I encourage you to write them down. Because again, this might not apply to your life, but people around you at work, people in your group, people in, in, in our community, they might be struggling with guilt. And from the word of God, you have steps and you have a pathway to freedom for them. Number one is this. They're all begin with R to help you. You've got to recognize... David starts the psalm. He says, Be gracious to me, O God. You don't need God's grace if you're free. But David recognized that he had messed up. He's done the dirty on Uriah. He has slept with another man's wife and he is in need of God's grace. And change begins to remove the mask, it begins when we recognize we need God's grace. Whenever you feel guilt, you, the first thing to remember is you are in need of God's grace. You know, guilt, I often battle with guilt. I talk a lot about it in that fourth chapter about areas of my life. And one of the areas that I deal with when it comes to guilt is my time. Guilt hits us all in different ways. And for some, it could be food. It could be relationships. It could be, you know, I've had a few funny stories today. But reality is guilt hits us all in different ways. But for me, it's time. And as a, a, first and foremost, as a husband, as a dad, as a pastor, as a chaplain, as a canon, and a friend, I'm constantly feeling guilty. Anyone else, you feel guilty about where you spend your time? When I'm at work, I feel like I should be spending more time with my family. And when I'm with my family, I feel like I should be spending more time with, uh, with work and people. And this week was a tough week. We had a lot of challenges coming against the church lots of adversity, lots of people needing help and support and prayer. My daughter walks into my office and she says this, she says, Daddy, why are you always on your phone? Now that was a really, really tough thing to hear because she's just a 10-year-old little girl. She doesn't understand the backstory. She doesn't understand all the things that are happening. All she can see is Daddy's not with me. And you have this immense feeling of guilt. Can any parent recognize that? We are always wanting to be somewhere else, trying to help everyone, and the people you love the most often suffer the most. And in that moment, I had to do what David did. I had to recognize my need for God's grace. The very first step, if you're feeling guilty, it doesn't matter whether you've eaten something you're proud about, it doesn't matter whether something's gone wrong in a relationship, something's happened at work, the first step is recognition, I need your grace, God. You know, pride is the enemy of grace. Pride is always the enemy of grace. Pride will always say, you can make it, you can figure it out yourself. But God is saying, invite me in. Invite me in. The second part, and this is a big word, and it's not a word that I've probably used enough in church, but David recognized his needs for God's grace, but then he repented. Repent. He says in verse 2, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, which is my sin, and cleanse me. David recognized his need for God's grace, but it's not just enough to recognize your area of guilt. You've got to change. And David goes to God. And it's one thing to recognize an area of my life that I'm feeling guilty over, but it's another thing to go to the root of it and repent to God. Now, often we get confused. With remorse and repentance. Remorse is the sadness that we have been caught. But repentance means a change of course. And whenever Chantel and I or the pastoral team help people, whether it's in a relationship, a marriage, a breakdown of some sort, maybe there's been foul play, I am never listening for remorse, I am listening for repentance. Repentance. You see, whenever there is repentance, there is a chance. And This is difficult, guys. This is the hardest step because it's easy to recognize, I shouldn't have eaten that or I shouldn't have done that. It's easy. That's the easy part to recognize that we need grace. But the second part is, God, I'm sorry. God, I repent. We don't talk about this word anymore because it's not correct enough in our sensitive world, but God is saying, if you want to bring change in your marriage, in your relationship, if you want to bring change in your family, I just need you to fall before me and say, God, I repent. I'm not interested in just being remorseful. I'm in not interested, oh, I've been caught and I'm sorry. God is saying, no, I want you to go to the next step, which is you were walking this way. Your life was heading in the wrong direction and suddenly you made a decision that you wanted to, yes, Recognize your need, my need for God's grace. But there has to be a change of course. And God is wanting to turn people around. You can't live life with a mask on until you recognize you're wearing it and you want to remove it. Church, we've got to get back to repentance. We've got to get back to repentance. We repent before God and say, God, I've messed up. No, I'm blaming you and I'm pointing my finger there and I'm pointing my finger. No, God, I'm going to let you bring justice, but I want to make sure my heart is pure before you. Create in me, David said, a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Where does that come from? It comes from God, I need you. You see, our sin cost Jesus on the cross. And when we repent, we are acknowledging the price which Christ paid for our freedom. This is why the salvation of prayer, we we finish every one of our services, whether it's a youth service, young adult service, a church service, we always finish. We've given people an opportunity. One of the lines in that prayer is this, I repent of my sin. It's not I'm remorseful. I repent, why, because repentance is a turning point, it's a turning point, point. and for some of you, in the last service, we saw many people repenting, why, because repentance is when change begins in your life, repentance is when suddenly you leave your past behind, your old ways, your old habits, and you say, God, I used to be heading this way, but God, I'm going to put my life in your hands, I repent, I recognize my need for you, and I begin to walk in a new direction. Often you're seeing when people, whether you've been in a crusade or in church, and people make that decision and they begin to well up. They begin to cry. You don't see people crying when they say the Lord's Prayer because it's not a prayer of repentance. But the salvation prayer is a prayer of repentance. It's a prayer of God. I cannot do life anymore on my own. And so, God, I'm sorry for doing life my own way. I repent, and God, I am turning away, and I am want to walk brand into a brand new life with you. Repentance brings freedom. Sorry if that's a bit heavy. It gets better. So you gotta recognize, then you've got to repent, and then David says this you gotta receive. Verse 7 says, Wash me, wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. In this moment where David recognizes his need for, for forgiveness and then he, rec- then he repents of the de- decision to have an affair and murder another man. As he repents, he recognizes his need then to receive. Receive my grace and my forgiveness. See, a lot of people want grace, but they don't want to repent. But repentance comes before receiving. Receive my grace. God wants you to receive his grace today. But you can never receive what you don't believe. You can never receive what you don't believe. And this is why Unmasked has been a, hopefully, a paradigm shift in series for people, because hopefully you are beginning to see God different. You begin to see how he sees you, not how you see you or how you perceive others to see you. The enemy wants us to live under this mask of guilt. But God wants us to walk in his grace. Now I want you to receive right now. This is a moment in the service. I want us to receive his grace. Receive his grace right now. I don't know what's happened in your past. I don't know what's happened God wants you to receive His grace. Receive God's word right now over your guilt. Receive God's word over your relationship. Receive God's grace over a wrong decision. Receive God's grace right now. Romans 8 says, There is now no condemnation. What's condemnation? It's simply guilt. For those who are in Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit gives life and sets you free from the law of sin and death. The reason there is no guilt isn't because Jesus went soft on sin. Quite the opposite. It's because of the law of double jeopardy. And double jeopardy says you cannot be punished twice for the same sin. Jesus Christ has already been punished and paid for your sin so you can live in freedom he was beaten he was scorned he was punished on that cross he hung there and he bled and he died for you and he said these words he said it is finished he didn't say i am finished he said it is finished he said your guilt is finished your shame is finished receive his grace today Receive it. You're not what you've done this week. You're who your heavenly father says you are. I meet people and they say, John, I've messed up in a relationship. Maybe I'm an adulterer. I've, I've taken things that don't belong to me. I'm a thief. I cheated in my exams. That was me. I'm a cheat. I'm addicted to a substance. I'm an alcoholic. We put labels on people. We cancel people. And it hurts the heart of God. Because God has never canceled anyone. The only thing that's ever been canceled was my sin and my shame and my past on the cross of Calvary. And if God never canceled anyone, then I shouldn't. My job isn't to point people's failures out or their sins. My job is to love people. God is saying today, no, 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 no. You're not an addict. You're not a failure. You're not an adulterer. You're not a cheat you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus God made him who had no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus receive his grace today and then the fourth step which David took was to restore He says in verse 12, he's recognized it. He's repented. He's received, but he recognizes that now God wants to restore something back to him. He says, Restore to me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit in me. Guilt isn't just a mask, guilt is a thief. One of the ways to identify if you're carrying guilt, and by the way, sometimes we can carry guilt and we can't even recognize it anymore because we've been carrying it for so long. One of the ways you can recognize if someone's carrying guilt or you're carrying guilt is you lose your joy. Because David said, now I'm dropping off my guilt and my shame, but I want you to restore my joy. And this is our prayer. In this moment where we say, God, and yesterday I had to do this myself. I practiced this after this week. I said, God, restore my joy before I step on that platform, before I give out. I've been bombarded with so much this week. I said, God, I cannot get up there without receiving your joy. And joy is very different to happiness. Someone gives you 100 quid, you're going to feel happy for until you spend your 100 quid. Happiness is what we exchange and Joy is deep because joy is eternal. And the enemy is always asked after the things which are eternal. He wants to steal. It's why people are falling away from churches and people are falling away from faith because the enemy has stolen their joy and we've got to get back and say God I recognize my need for you I repent I receive but now God I want you to restore that joy remember when I first walked into church and I was wow I was just overwhelmed by your goodness I remember the time when I put my hand up and I received salvation and I was overwhelmed with joy and that's why Paul said he said restore to me my first love God I want want my joy back. I'm not going to allow COVID to steal my joy. I'm not going to allow politics to steal my joy. I'm not going to allow the internet to steal my joy. God, you are the giver. You are the source of my joy. You might have arrived with guilt today. You can walk out with joy. You might have tuned in with guilt today. You can log off at the end with joy in your spirit. fifth step I'm preaching good I got one more to go so you got to keep me going I need plenty of energy come on number five Come on, I want speak freedom. I'm sick of the devil attacking the church. I'm sick of the devil attacking people's minds, people's marriages, people's families. I am committed to preaching the truth and the grace of Jesus into people's lives, into people's homes. Come on, if anybody is mad at the devil, if anybody's sick of him attacking your family, begin to shout unto God. Come on, hallelujah. Down, we're not, we're not finished. I hope you're picking this up at home because God's moving in the room, and I know He's moving in your bedroom, He's moving in your living room. Step number five, are you ready? Gotta remember. Gotta remember. David says in verse 14 deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed. Oh God, you are God, my Savior. David remembers, as he's drowning in guilt, the only one person who can save him. God, my Savior. No matter what you've done, friend, He is still your Savior. No matter what your past is, He is still your Savior. No matter how deep your sin has been, He is still your Savior. No matter how you feel far from God, He is still your Savior. He will always be your Savior. He's murdered someone. He's committed adultery. And yet He says, God, you are still my Savior. Wow. I think the most liberating verse in Scripture says, "Therefore, Romans 8.1, Therefore, by the way, when anything starts in the Bible, therefore, check out what it's there for. Because there's a reason. Therefore, there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation in here for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no guilt if you're in Christ Jesus. Wow. Whew. No more guilt, no more shame when you're in Christ Jesus. I'm gonna finish with a story. I like it because it's about a little boy called Johnny. I liked it so much i put it in the book because I could see myself in this. It's not me by the way. A little boy was visiting his grandparents and he was given his first slingshot. He practiced in the woods but he could never hit his target, that would be me. He went back to grandma's garden and he spied her pet duck but it's not a true story, so don't all like, walk out in this moment. On impulse, he took aim and let fly, and the stone hit the duck and it dropped dead. <laughs> shouldn't laugh at that. The boy panicked and desperately tried to recuperate it, but it was all, all, all over. So he hit the, hit the dead duck in the woodpile, and he looked up and he saw his sister looking out the window. Sally she'd seen it all she said nothing after lunch until grandma said Sally let's wash the dishes but Sally said no Johnny wants to help today don't you Johnny and she whispered to him remember the duck so Johnny did the dishes see why I like it it's just my kind of story I just see myself all over this Later, Granddad asked if the children wanted to go fishing. Grandma said, I'm sorry, but I need Sally to help make supper. Sally smiled and said, that's all taken care of. Johnny wants to do it. Again, she whispered, remember the duck. Johnny stayed while Sally went fishing. After several days of Johnny doing all the chores and Sally's, he finally couldn't stand it anymore. He confessed to Grandma that he'd killed the duck. Grandma said, I know Johnny, and gave him a big hug. I was standing at the window and saw the whole thing unfold. But because I love you, I forgave you. I just wanted to know how long you were gonna allow Sally to make a slave of you. You see, that's exactly what the enemy is doing to the children of God. He's making slaves of us because of our past. I wanna encourage you today, as you stand to your feet, start remembering how God sees you and you'll change the way you see yourself. God saw you mess up, God saw me mess up, God saw me at my lowest, God saw me in my weakest and God saw me at the window of heaven and yet he said, come here. Obviously, it would be a socially distant hug right now. He said, I still love you. I still want you. And maybe you're listening today. Maybe you're online. You're listening. You're tempted to dismiss this message because you've made so many mistakes. You are in such good company. You are in the best company possible. But the Father's love towards you today is He loves us when we least deserve it and when we least, least expect it. No matter how many dark days you've had experiencing sin and guilt and shame and the masks that we've talked about in this book, every single sinner that includes you and I has a future by the precious blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to pray for some people right now and the first group of people I want to pray for is those who've never made a decision to recognize that first point to recognize their need for a Savior yesterday I was helping put a table out and I got a splinter in my hand and as I did this I remembered something I'd preached many, many years ago, which came back to me. Did a message titled, The Splinter of Grace. What a splinter is, a splinter is a tiny little piece of the past which has the potential to cause havoc in the future. Left in, a splinter can have fatal consequences because it can cause an infection, can cause tetanus, and it can result in a fatality guilt is like that in our lives we can make a mistake in our past and we don't deal with it and we think we can just move on in life without recognizing the need for God's grace repenting, receiving restoring and remembering we think we can just do this in our own and God's like no it doesn't work like that because the healing in my hand yesterday could not begin until the splinter came out there's many people that splinters of guilt have gone into your life, maybe weeks, months, years ago, maybe over COVID, some stuff happened in your home, some stuff happened at work and you're living with this guilt of the past and God is saying to you, I want to I set some people free. Because when Jesus went to the cross, often we see crosses online or when we go to Easter presentations and then these lovely smooth varnished crosses, these two pieces. But that's not the cross that Jesus died on. It was a rugged cross. And when Jesus hung and his hands were against the cross and his back was put up against the cross, there would have been splinters that were driven into his back. And those splinters represent our guilt and our shame. But as the splinters of guilt went in, the blood of grace flowed down. And today, God wants you to know that you can remove the splinters of your past because His precious blood is enough for you. He says, give me your guilt and I'll give you my grace. But you've got to receive it. The first step is to recognize I need a savior. And then it's a moment of repentance. God I can't do life on my own anymore I need you and repentance isn't remorse it's not no it's this God I'm going to do life different I'm going to read my Bible I'm going to pray church is going to become a priority in my life I'm going to lead my family to church it's not my family and me at church it's as for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord this is part of the turning as you do that this, you receive this grace and this love and you start this new journey with Him so today I want to speak to those online those in the room you're saying today I'm I'm living with sin I'm living with guilt never made a decision to follow Jesus today you can make that decision right here right now Every splinter which Christ took on the cross was for your guilt. You don't have to carry it anymore because he carried it. He's taken it. You can walk in freedom. I want to pray for you. Maybe you're away from God. Maybe some stuff's happened in COVID and you feel like you've disconnected from God and your relationship's grown cold. He wants you to know that he still loves you. He still loves you. How long are you going to let Sally make a slave of you? can walk in freedom just as the grandma threw her arms around her grandchild Johnny God wants to throw his arms around you again and welcome you home and welcome you back into relationship maybe you're carrying guilt maybe you want to invite Jesus into your life for the first time or maybe you want to reconnect If you're saying that that message was for me today everyone just to close their eyes I'm just going to ask you to slip up your hand right now Say, God, I'm in need of you, of your grace. Just slip it up nice and high. He loves you. Come on, all over this room. Amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Beautiful. Amazing. Thank you. Would you say this prayer out loud together, wherever you are online? Say this in your living room, on your couch, in your office. Say this prayer as you're driving in your car. Father, I thank you so much. For your amazing grace I thank you for your son Jesus he shed his blood for me today I recognize my need for you I repent of my sin I turn away from my past today is a new beginning I receive your grace I receive your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank everyone in the room, everyone online for that moment, life-changing moment. And if you said that prayer to receive salvation, just a few moments on my left, your right. There's a double doors where you guys always head out in the room, but online, if you just let us know, we'll make sure we point you in the right direction. You can either download the Bible digitally on, on your on your Android, on your Apple phone, okay? Or you can uh, receive in the room a hardcover Bible. And I want encourage you, this is the next step. This is the next step for your life moving forward. This is the receive part. This is where you receive from God daily. And I wanna encourage you, to pray and join a group as well. have got many groups because we want to make sure that we're cheering you on on this journey and helping you. Fantastic. But one more time, would you just congratulate everyone who's said that prayer? And... I speak grace over our church. Lord, I pray that you'd give us the courage if we need to repent in any area of our lives. Father, Repent of that stuff that brings guilt. We would receive your grace. I pray right now that you would restore people's joy. If you feel like you've had your joy stolen over the last 12 months, you've, had, you've lost your sense of your spark, your joy your personality. Today, if you just be honest, say, God, I want you to restore to me, like David, restore to me the joy. I'm not going to allow this season to steal my joy. I want my joy back. Is there anyone who'd be brave enough to say, I want my joy back? My hand's up, okay? My hand is up. I want my joy back. Come on, let's believe God. I want my joy back. I'm not going to allow the enemy to steal my peace and my joy. Father, I speak your joy, your spirit over your church, Father, over the bride of Christ, Father. I thank you, Lord, what the enemy meant for evil. God, you will return it and restore it, Father God. Lord, I speak joy into every home, into every school, community, Father, joy into universities, joy back into the classroom, Father. We thank you, Lord, that we will be lighthouses, Father God, of joy into our world we thank you God we speak your grace your favor in Jesus name come on one more time